Sooner Nation, OU Insider subscribers, Brian Clinton fanatics, people who don't have anything better to do on a Thursday, my name is Jesse Crittenden, and this is the latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill, a new podcast brought to you by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I, of course, am here with my co-host, Brian Clinton. Brian, sir, it is Wednesday 1 20 p.m. as we record this how are you sir i'm great man it's it's midweek if we're if we're hoping that brian clinton fanatics is is who is going to make up the base of our our uh podcast watch uh group i i think we're going to be sorely we're going to be sorely missed uh, i disagree <laughs> i disagree with that uh, you gotta i you're selling yourself way too short okay selling yourself way too short how are things up in uh, in Collinsville, America? They're doing good, man. We had some rain yesterday, finally. So whenever whenever I get around to mowing, I'm not going to have dust all over my face. It'll be great. Speaking of the rain, man, I don't know about you and, and people who are listening to this can probably hear it, but my allergies the last couple of days, it's been brutal, dude. It's terrible. Yeah. It feels like everybody I've run into the last couple of days, it's, it's the same thing. It's allergies. And I like cold weather. I'm all about fall. I'm not a big summer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always forget when it changes so drastically like this, the, the side effects of that. Every fall and every spring, I like stuff up for a week and it's starting to hit me right now. So right before the Tulsa game, unfortunately. Well, um, but, but you know what, when that comes, that means we're heading into prime f- fall football weather and right. it's, it, it is the best time of year. So with all that, man, you know, we, we did our first episode last week. I think it went great. I think people who listen to it or people who are here for the first time, they know what to expect from us. We're going to talk about all things OU football. We're talking about the press conferences. We're talking about the games. We're talking about the players, availabilities, all that stuff. And so we're here today. We're going we're gonna to preview a little bit of OU's game against Tulsa this coming Saturday at 2.30 p.m. I believe it's on ESPN2. It's on ESPN or ESPN2. I think ESPN it's ESPN2. Two. Okay, okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about some of the press conferences that have happened this week. But, Brian, I think uh, where we need to start is is with our, our first segment. Uh, we called it uh, Thursday Thoughts last week, but I'm nixing that because we're recording this on Wednesdays most weeks. So Thursday Thoughts is off the table. We're going to, again, this is not set in stone, but we're going to go to Wednesday Wisdom, where we're going to talk a little bit about OU's 28-11 to win against SMU on Saturday. Now, Brian, you were on the field. I was on the press, or I was in the press box. Pretty interesting game. OU jumped out uh, to a pretty early lead after Peyton Bowen's pump block, but, you know, SMU hung around, cut it to 14-11. to Pretty early in the fourth quarter, I think you could feel the nervousness uh, in the stadium. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the offense scores a couple of touchdowns late to kind of put that game out of reach. But, Brian, as you're leaving the field, 
you know, as, as you're kind of, you know, the, the, the final seconds are dwindling down you got to get set up in the red room for availability. What was your, what was your main takeaway walking off the field? A win's a win, I'm sure. But what, what was your overall thought? So most games, it feels like here in recent history, most games have been really graded by OU fans or by Sooner Nation based on how many points Oklahoma put up just because defense has really been an afterthought for a while in, in Norman. Um, and and not by not by choice. It's just you've had to outscore folks for, for years now. And, uh, you know, this was one of those situations where you look at the scoreboard and it's 28 to 11, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to a conversation I had after the game. Uh, somebody was concerned uh, and, and called me about, about the game. Why are we only putting up 28 points? What's going on? Why, you know, what's this, what's that? And I said, okay, look at it this way. If the score was, if the score was 48 to 31, you would feel a lot more comfortable because that's what you've been used to seeing, but it's 28 to 11. And so, and then I go home and I find out that 11 points is the lowest point total that SMU's had in like six or seven seasons. So um, what I took away from it was, I think that in two weeks, we've seen this team win games in two different ways. You, you absolutely dominated offensively, obviously defensively as well in week one, but you were forced to play defense and lean on that defense in this game and lean on special teams a little bit. And it really um, it solidified what I felt was that this team has a better feeling of what it takes to win football games. And so when you see them put those 14 points up late in the fourth quarter and really put this game away, that's not something that we got to see from them very often last year, if at all. So uh, I was pleased with the game, uh, regardless of it being, you know, the final score of what it was. Yeah, a lot of good points there. And you mentioned 48-31, which uh, listeners uh, from the first episode will remember. That was my prediction. And even though I was incorrect about my 48-31 prediction, I was correct that OU would win by 17. So I'm going to take half a victory lap here. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting... It, it, you bring up a lot of good things there and kind of, you know, let's segue that a little bit into the defense because I think ultimately and we're going to talk we're going to talk about the offense. But let's talk about the defense, because I think that was the main, you know, positive takeaway from all of this. And you alluded to it. I mean, holding a good SMU team, a good SMU offense to 11 points, uh, it was really, you know, was pretty impressive. Now, that's not to say SMU didn't have some success. I mean, they actually outgained OU in total yards. I think they had 367. There were some drives that uh, SMU had some real success. And and I think we're we're posed to threaten to score a little bit, but it was there were big plays that OU's defense made. That was the thing. And Danny Stutzman actually said it after the game was this, you know, the defense bent a little bit, but it didn't break. And that's what you wanted to see is not getting discouraged, not just let SMU, you know, you know, go through. I think there was, you know, there's that one drive in the third quarter where uh, it looks like SMU's breaking off a huge running play and Key Lawrence comes in, strips the ball or punches it out is, is more accurate. Danny Stutzman recovers it. Those are huge plays. That's a, that's a play last year. I don't think this defense can, you know, this defense makes it. Those are the kind of plays you need because it's not about being perfect. It's, it's not about holding SMU's defense to 10, you know, to 10 total yards, but it's, you've got to be able to make those kind of plays to make a difference. But either way, Danny Stutzman led with 17 tackles. I thought he was incredible. Um, really good performances by, you know, a few different guys, but, but 
Brian, what stood out to you about the defense? You alluded to it there, holding SMU to 11 points. But what um, was there, you know, was there a player? Was there a position group? What stood out to you? And maybe where did we where did we see this defense play well that maybe we're, we wouldn't have seen them play well a year ago? So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't start by giving Danny Stutzman his flowers. I mean, he earned national defensive player of the year or defensive player of the week. We hope for the year um, and looked really good doing it. Um, you know, he, he was one away from, from eclipsing his uh, career total uh, or his career high in, in a single game for, for tackles. There was 17, but I think what, what I really took away from this was SMU is a, is a team that, tries to not only stretch you vertically uh, and horizontally on the field, but they also threw a lot at Oklahoma. There were a lot of different formations. They threw a lot of different trick plays. There was a fumble ruski at one point. They had some, some reverses and things of that nature. And OU was in position. And that was the biggest thing for me was that regardless of, of what SMU threw at them, it seemed that, that Oklahoma's defense was prepared. They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew where they were supposed to be. And, and that's credit to obviously the defensive staff, but um, with the guys that you have out there um, that are new, you know, we've heard over and over how many guys are making their first and second games or their starts for, for Oklahoma, Danny Stutzman getting those guys in place. Uh, I think he was just as big of an impact um, in, in that regard as he was making plays on his own. So um, it was it was really impressive just to see them lined up in the right spot. And I know that sounds small, but last year there were so many times when that wasn't the case. So it was it was a really good sign for Oklahoma. That's a really good point. And you go back and watch games last year, the amount of pre-snap confusion you see on on OU's defense guys that they're not sure where they're supposed to be. They're not sure where their assignment is. Um, that that happened so much last year. And I think it's one of those things, especially in, in a complicated system or complex system like Venables, you can't afford to not know where you're supposed to be before the snap. I mean, really against any offense, but especially, I mean, where everybody's got to be in sync. Uh, I, I think that's a good point. I'm going to throw a couple of key stats at you. And again, two games is not an, is not a big enough sample size to establish season-long trends. We've got a long ways to go still to figure out who this team really is. But I'm going to throw a couple of key stats at you, Brian. The first one is third down defense. I actually think that's something that hasn't been talked enough about. OU held SMU to four of 16 on third downs. That was massive. It was massive because not only was third down defense, uh, uh, you know, an absolute Achilles heel for this OU defense a year ago. But as I mentioned earlier, that SMU offense had some drives where they moved the ball pretty well, but they got, but it was OU getting stops on third down. That really made the difference there. There's that. And they were really good, obviously, on third downs uh, against Arkansas State. I think Arkansas State was two of 12, if my memory serves me right. So through two games, OU's been really good on third downs. The other one is rushing yards. SMU finished uh, with 117 rushing yards on 34 attempts, just 3.4 yards per carry. Again, OU was not just the worst rushing defense in the Big 12 last year, they were one of the worst rushing defenses, period, in all of college football last year. And again, they're going to face tougher competition. Um, but I think through two games, OU has given up 
I think, or I think less than 170 yards on more or on about 60 attempts. So their yards per Gary average is good. You can see Danny Stutzman, Kip Lewis, Jaron Cannon, Kobe McKenzie, uh, even Peyton Bowen, you can see these guys rushing in. But is there? I mean, what do you? Th- what did you see? Maybe from that that third down defense. Um, you know, maybe maybe it goes back to what we were saying. Maybe just having a better idea of where we're supposed to be. But did you notice that on the field? Like, man, OU's just getting stops on third down. So I think the 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 biggest thing or the biggest reason for some of that success is that you know maybe the defensive line may not be necessarily penetrating the way that people are are hoping that they would but what they're doing is they're forcing offensive linemen to hold blocks they're forcing guys they're forcing double teams and that comes with obviously the added girth that they talked about this offseason you know having bigger guys there but what that's doing is it's allowing those guys like Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kinnick uh, and Peyton Bowen and and guys uh, in the back seven to come up and make plays Uh, you're you're letting those guys run free and so that really helps with uh, with keeping those those rushing yards to to a minimum and and the other thing is when you do that you make teams one dimensional it puts them in more predictable situations on third down when you put guys in situations where they have to throw the ball when it's third and eight or longer it's a lot easier to tee off uh, send your guys after the quarterback and not have to worry about uh, the the threat of a run and you're allowed to, you can really use those defensive linemen to really penetrate and get after the quarterback. So I think, I think what you're seeing is all of these little bitty intangibles that you didn't see Oklahoma use last year. They're able to, to really put them all together and help them get off the field on third down when they just couldn't do it last year. Uh, that's a really good point. And Venables talked about it over and over. And sometimes I think it's easy to think of things as, as coach speak, but he was like, if you want to get better on third down, you got to be good on first and second down. And so I think that was, you know, I think that goes along with what you're saying before we transition to the offense, I'm going to mention real quick, um, uh, you know, the, the snap counts on defense per pro football focus. I think this is going to be something that's really interesting, um, to look at as we move forward, as we see, maybe this coaching staff, try to settle on rotations, who should be out on the field, um, things like that. Woody Washington led the team with 82, then Jaron Kanick and Billy Bowman, and Danny Stutzman were all second, third, and fourth with 69, followed by Kanai Walker with 66 snaps. Kanai Walker, a guy that didn't play a ton last year, but maybe is showing, uh, you know, showing some, you know, getting some some trust um, from the coaching staff. But you know, that's going to be that's going to be really interesting to, to see looking forward, particularly on the defensive line. We look at the starters there. Uh, Jacob Lacey got his first start. Uh, on Saturday, again, a guy that dealt with a, you know, with a medical uh, situation during the off season. Uh, pretty interesting to see not only that he got the start, I thought he played uh, pretty decently for the most part, but that defensive line is really where we're seeing a lot of different movement. But anyways, just wanted to note that let's move to the offense, Brian, because I think that's maybe where I don't know if controversy is probably too strong of a word, but that is where some of the lows of the game really came from. And it was, it was pretty interesting to see. Um, you know, cause look, 28 points, hard to complain about that. And I do think that, um, given how explosive OU's offenses have been over the last several years, I do think it's, it's easy to get warped around what, mm-hmm. you know, what, what this offense is supposed to look like when really what we saw for five years is not actually normal. It really isn't. Um, but it's hard to complain about 28 points, but you think Brian that that first touchdown came, you know, on a very short field after the Peyton Bowen. 
after the Peyton Bowen pump block, which we're going to talk more about Peyton Bowen later. Um, but after that Peyton Bowen pump, uh, pump block set up a short field and then, you know, they had one, they had one scoring drive in the second quarter. That was pretty good. I mean, they went 94 yards. That was the tall we Walker drive. They just kept feeding him, kept feeding him. And so that was a really good drive, but uh, you know, and then that, that first touchdown, of the fourth quarter, you know, they went 75 yards, but that, that last touchdown again was because OU's defense and Peyton Bowen forced that fourth down stop, set them up on a short field. So, you know, and you look at, I mean, the second and third quarters in particular were kind of a slog, Brian. I mean, I think heading into the fourth quarter, Dylan Gabriel only had 88 yards passing. It just didn't, it just didn't look good. And again, it's hard to complain about a 17 point win. It's hard to complain about 28 points on the board. But it it just didn't look smooth. It didn't look great, especially as as much as you would expect it to be. But Brian, what was your you know? Uh, let's let's start with the passing game. What what did you see there? Because Dylan Gabriel's Dylan Gabriel's final line, nineteen to twenty seven, one hundred and seventy six yards, four touchdowns, looks pretty good. I thought for the most part he played okay. But it just did you get the sense on the field that things were just they just seemed stiff, like nothing was smooth. Yeah, and it kind of seemed like any time they got going for just a second for a couple of plays, uh, you'd have a drop or you would have something that just kind of threw them out of rhythm. It just felt like they never really got going. Because, I mean, when we have seen this Jeff Levy offense really work at its at its highest efficiency, it's because they get in rhythm. He's He has a... I, I don't know how he calls plays particularly, but I just know that whenever he gets in rhythm, it, it feels as if the offense just moves fluidly down the field any way that it wants to. And um, there have been games at times in, in uh, his tenure as the offensive coordinator here where that's just not the case when they, when they just can't get going. And this is one of those situations. Um, I think a lot of, of what it had to do with was, you know, as you mentioned, they only had 27 pass attempts. You had 47 rushing attempts. And so, you know, roughly two thirds of what you're trying to do is, is run the ball and, you know, four yards a carry is, is okay, but it's not what we've grown used to seeing from Oklahoma's offensive line. And so I think that, that probably played a, a factor in it as well. Um, at the end of the day, Dylan Gabriel was efficient as, as you can ask for, uh, I think three or four of his incompletions were dropped. So again, he was really consistent. Um, but I think what you saw was, was some missed opportunities going back and watching the game. Um, I try to do it every week and there were some times where you had guys running down the field open, uh, and maybe it was because SMU brought pressure just enough time to keep Dylan from being able to get the ball down the field. Uh, or he just maybe missed them uh, a couple of times. So I think you you saw them really limit what they were able to do uh, vertically in the passing game, uh, and that'll definitely be something that they're working on this week for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll point out something here also about the passing game. I mean, Andrew Anthony through two games has been the number one wide receiver. I mean, it's not even close. He's got 10 catches, um, I believe, for 142 yards and a touchdown. Next closest is Drake Stoops with six catches. Obviously, he missed a lot of that week one game. But we look at the box score, Brian, and and Andrew Anthony had seven catches. He had, uh, you know, the drop on the second play of the game that made up for it with that touchdown in the first quarter. But he had nine targets, seven catches. Only two other receivers caught a pass, Brian, which was, again, you're talking about the the – the discrepancy between the passing attempts and the rushing attempts that's going to happen. But um, when we heard all off season about 
this, you know, how deep this wide receiver room is and how many options they were and what we even saw uh, in that first game where I think nine different receivers caught a pass Jaquay's Petaway led the room with nine, you know, with nine catches, didn't even see a snap against, uh, against SMU. Again, Jalil Farouk didn't catch a pass against Arkansas state. He caught two passes against SMU. Uh, obviously that, that touchdown in the fourth quarter was really huge, but again, only two targets on the day. Uh, Drake Stoops caught two passes, but no, no Nick Anderson, no Jaden Gibson, no Jaquais Petaway, no Gavin Freeman. Uh, those guys didn't play a ton of snaps. And again, in Petaway's case, uh, didn't play any snaps at all. So I think if you're asking me now, there's an argument to be made that they're not trying to show the whole playbook. But at the same time, you don't want to, like to me, you don't want to intentionally limit yourself for the sake of limiting yourself. And I think that wide receiver room has talent, but there's not a whole lot of experience there. And to me, if you want to get those guys ready, these are the games to get them involved. So I don't know, Brian, is, is it overreacting? Is it, Oh, we're going to, we're going to go into Tulsa. Those, you know, everyone's going to catch a billion passes and it's going to be fine. Or was it pretty, was it troubling at all to see only three receivers catch a pass? Jilla Farouk's not, you know, is not really involved? Those other guys aren't seeing snaps. Yeah. I, I was concerned. It was, it was a mystery because I mean, how excited, I mean, just personally, I was, I was super excited for what we saw from Jaden Gibson in, in week one. Just for, for a kid that that struggled with some confidence last year and, and even into spring. And and then, you know, he goes and makes two big contested catches for huge plays for OU. Yes, it was against Arkansas State, but we're talking about a kid that's really making a difference in his in in the real way in a college football game. And and the the immense amount of confidence that comes with catches like that is just is great. And then like you said, it just gone. We, we didn't hear anything from him last week. And he so, played six snaps. You're right. Six See, snaps. And, and that's just, that's, you know, again, I'm not the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, but you do have to ask, like, what is, what's the deal? Why, why are guys like him and Nick Anderson not getting at least a look or two every game? Uh, you know, is it, are you really trying to hide the playbook? I, I don't think that I mean, you can use that. It was against SMU, but at the same time, this this game was fourteen to eleven in the fourth quarter. So, uh, I I don't know. I don't know what the real answer to that is. Um, but we've got to see more. Um, we've got to see more in the passing game uh, than what we saw last week. If Oklahoma is going to live up to this expectation that they've built. No, I agree with you. Again, look, offense did what it needed to do to win the game, and that's ultimately what happened. They scored 28 points. But, you know, when we're looking at this wide receiver room, you know, wh what are you waiting for, deploying them against uh, Texas or Oklahoma State? I mean, these are the games that I think are really beneficial to um, to get those guys going. So I think, again, what makes what could be a, a blowout against Tulsa, there are still going to be things to look for, which here we're going to segue. I was going to ask you about the running back room, but we're going to kind of combine, you know, looking at that SMU game, we're going to kind of combine that with this next segment here. Again, unofficial title. Uh, Brian, you and I need to to do a, a bigger discussion about what these segment names are because I don't think they're very snappy. And when we've we can we can figure out something better. Okay, that's why the, ask Parker Thune, our colleague, the amount of times I've asked him for headline suggestions because he is way better at that stuff than I am. Um, but we're gonna transition to this other, you know, to the second segment called "What's Happening Now," where we're gonna take a look more more at maybe. Uh, what are the what are the coordinators said in the press conferences? What has Brent Venable said? What have the players said? 
uh, during media availabilities. We're going to con- kind of combine the running game from SMU uh, with this segment, with maybe what Jeff Levy said uh, in his press conference on Monday. And what he said was, we want to get Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk more involved. He he said, we want to get two and 27 going. Well, you want to know why he wants to get them going? Because <laughs> against SMU, Javante Barnes recorded two carries. And I think he caught one or he caught one pass for negative three yards. So three total touches for Javante Barnes. Gavin Sawchuk played, I think, two snaps, uh, carried the ball once for one yard. This running back room is really interesting to look at, Brian, because, again, it's not about complaining. The running back, you know, the running backs were as a whole, you know, the OU rushing offense was decent against SMU. Tawi Walker has been. Uh, pretty dang good, Brian. 21 carries, 117 yards. There were stretches of that game where Tawi Walker was simply the only consistent source of offense. Um, he's still a walk on, uh, but he through two games, he leads this team in rushing yards, he leads this team in carries. So let's just quickly talk about what what do you expect from that running back room? I mean, through two weeks, it's been pretty interesting. So I guess my evaluation of what's happened so far would be you've heard uh, Coach Venables talk about Tawi Walker being available. Um, and I think if you kind of read into that a little bit, uh, obviously he, he's been a guy that he, he's built to withstand the <laughs> he's built to withstand the pressures and and the the grind of, of of fall camp and what it means to to get ready and get up and going and uh, you saw Javante Barnes and, and Gavin Sawchuk really deal with some injuries uh, this offseason and, and that stretched into fall camp. And so having a guy like Walker that can tote the rock, you know, 30 times over the first two weeks, um, it, despite it being against lesser opponents, I, I think that really gives you an opportunity if you're if you're Coach Murray or, or Coach DeMarco Murray to get him going, give him his flowers for lack of a better term, uh, for being there and being available and doing what he needs to do. But it's also given Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes two more weeks to get their bodies right. Um, and, and, you know, I made this, I made this point in my, in my pregame or in my uh, preview for, for Tulsa, uh, the scouting report that Oklahoma had better, th- this is the game that you're going to have to really get things going with the running back room because the next three weeks, are going to really test you as far as the offensive line in the running game goes, because Cincinnati's defensive line is quite possibly the best in the big 12. Uh, they, they have an, a returning all American uh, at defensive tackle. And they've got, I believe a first team, all uh, American um, conference, all player last year at, uh, at edge. They're really good against the run, and so you've got them. You've got Iowa State, who's always good defensively, and then obviously what we saw against Texas, their defensive line looks incredible as well. So you really need to to build some confidence and get those guys going now because if you don't, the competition steps up in a big way defensively, and you've got three really tough opponents coming up that, that are going to push you uh, if you don't push first. No, really good points. I agree with all that. And I agree with you. I do think Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk's usage the first two weeks has been definitely at least injury uh, related in the sense of they're really being cautious with those guys. And I think the other part of it too is Tawi Walker's been really good. Uh, Marcus Major caught, you know, that last touchdown to really put things away. So again, I I don't know if my outlook on the room has necessarily changed. 
Um, but this is when, you know, maybe Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck really are your most talented running backs, but Toby Walker's kind of thrown a wrench in things, mm. but also you need to get those two guys on the field. I think this running back room is a little bit more complicated. Uh, it's going to be a little bit, there's, it's going to be a little bit more interesting to, to, to kind of, to kind of shift through than I thought it was going to be, which is what, and, and to Javante Barnes's credit, we talked to him uh, on Tuesday night. Javante Barnes was all team first. He was all, Hey, I'm just, I'm here ready for my opportunity, but Tawi's been great. Marcus has been great. Me and Gavin are keeping ourselves ready. It's just about doing what we need to do for the team. And I think that's the kind of stuff you want to hear. You don't want jealousy or, or selfishness seeping in. And even though I think Javante Barnes expects to have a big role, I think he's still keeping that team first mindset. That's the kind of stuff you want to hear. Brian, we're going to transition here to uh, our last segment, uh, which is called Saturday Synopsis, which Parker gave me a hard time for last week. But this is basically just where we're going to talk uh, for just a couple of minutes about this upcoming game against Tulsa. Again, it's 2.30 p.m. Central uh, on Saturday, I think on ESPN2. Uh, OU is nearly a four-touchdown favorite, Brian. I do think even though it is on the road, it is the first road test. I, you know, again, no disrespect to to Tulsa, but I think SMU is by far the hardest competition OU is going to face in non-conference play. This should be a game by all accounts. OU should win pretty easily. But all of that being said, Brian, um, you know, I think defensively, the main thing is, uh, are, are Desan McCullough and Justin Harrington going to be available? Um, I think it's, you know, based on what Brent Venable said on, on Tuesday, I think both of their statuses are very much in the air. So it could be really interesting to see Peyton Bowen uh, get some time at that cheetah position if that's what happens. And then offensively, again, I think it's going to be interesting to see the running back room, see the wide receiver room. But what's one thing uh, you are looking for in a game that OU might, you know, win pretty easily? Well, just just more consistency uh, defensively, just to continue uh, the consistent play that we've seen from them. I mean, Kevin Wilson if you've been an Oklahoma fan or followed this team for any amount of time or, or college football, really in that matter, uh, he's been synonymous with good offense for as long as he's been in the game. Uh, this guy, he is one of the best uh, offensive minds that's come through uh, college football since the turn of the century. And I don't think it's going to be long before Tulsa's offenses are, are really starting to ramp up again. Now they don't necessarily have the pieces yet, in my opinion, uh, to, to really give Oklahoma too much of a scare, but this is a team that is going to be very well prepared uh, whenever it comes to on offensive game plan. And so uh, we need to see consistent, more consistency from the defense as we finish out the, uh, uh, the non-conference slate, but offensively, I think the big thing that, that stood out for me this week in, in talks with, in, in, in the press conferences was, I think I heard a couple of coaches say that the offensive line was really upset with themselves with how they played last week. Um, you know, there were times where Dylan Gabriel was under some pressure. He shouldn't have been, or, or maybe the holes that weren't there that, that should have been for, for the running game. And so, you know, I think this is an opportunity for more of a confidence building game, but not, not just that, but to get your technique, right. Because you've got a lot of things coming up. Like I said, a lot of defensive lines that are going to be, really big tests going forward. So if you're going to get things right, it's going to have to come now. Uh, it needs to come this week. And I think that uh, the offensive line knows that. And that's probably something that coach Beatenbaugh is really, or coach Beatenbaugh is really pushing uh, this week in practice. 
Really glad you mentioned the offensive line. We talked to Walter Rouse on Tuesday, and he was, I mean, he was transparent. He was like, I, I, we're frustrated. We're upset. We we didn't play as well as we should have. So I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. And again, offensively, I think this is going to be a game, especially if it turns into a blowout. It is going to be interesting to see how the carries are split, especially if this ends up being, you know, there's a, it's a lot of runs if OU is really relying on that running game. Um, but also, wide receiver-wise, only again, only three players caught a, a pass last week. Does OU make a really concerted effort to get those guys involved or to get, you know, to get Nick Anderson, Gavin Freeman, you know, Jaden Gibson, uh, you know, some other guys in that room involved, maybe Jalil Farouk, do they get more targets his way? He hasn't really exploded yet. And then defensively, I think it's going to see, you know, we may see a lot of young guys uh, in bigger roles, which has kind of been, you know, Kip Lewis has seen a lot of snaps. Kobe McKenzie's seen a lot of snaps, but Peyton Bowen, I think you and I, and a lot of people are seeing that that guy's a stud. That guy's going to be a uh, big time. And if Justin Harrington and, and Desan McCullough can't go, this is going, this could be our first look at Peyton Bowen at that cheetah position where that's a bit, that's a hard position. That's a tough position. There's a lot of responsibilities there. So again, even if it is a blowout, uh, it should be really fun to watch. There should be a lot of things to watch. And obviously, Kevin Wilson, the former OU offensive coordinator, you wrote about that uh, at OUinsider.com. He and Brent Venables were both on staff together. Uh, it should be fun, at least from that to, you know, from that regard to reminisce. Brian, last thing, uh, quickly, if you have a, if you have a prediction, I think OU is a 27-point favorite. What is your score prediction for Saturday? So... I would like I'd like to say that Oklahoma goes over over 50 points here and gets back to to win in, in a big way. I, I do think that they're gonna cover. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 47. Let's go 47 13. Um I think that I think that the offense is gonna get back on track. Um but but I do see what limiting what limits Oklahoma this week is is potentially the clock because I do expect them to try and run the football and establish a run this week. Um, they need to do that. They need to gain some confidence doing that. And if they're going to put Javante Barnes and uh, Gavin Sawchuk in a position to to get some more carries, it's going to take time. So uh, I'll go forty seven thirteen Sooners. I think that's a good one. I'm going to say uh, around those lines. I'm going to say forty two fourteen. Oh, you just barely covers. But again, I think maybe the second half is. Uh, maybe it slows down a little bit, but either way, uh, Brian, that is going to do it for us here at the Oklahoma drill. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for, for tuning in. You can uh, find us at Spotify, Apple music, or YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast. If you're not a subscriber to the OU insider YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Or if you're not a VIP over at OUinsider.com, come check us out. You'll find all kinds of recruiting and team content from all of us there at OU insider. So until the, until Saturday's game against Tulsa, my name is Jesse Crittenden. That is Brian Clinton. We'll see you next time.